generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hey Beth. Hey. So Hello. welcome, welcome to Color Correction. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy too. I'm Andrew. I use he/him pronouns. And I'm Bethany. I use she/her pronouns. And I am Chris. I use he/him pronouns. And this is our first real live episode. Uh, which we're doing on the one year anniversary of this podcast, which also, yeah, yes. it's also Juneteenth. Hey, are you guys using the Zoom's touch up my appearance option? I, always, I thought it, oh, okay. I um, always, all right, I'm doing it. You know, it, it's just like putting Vaseline over a lens. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. This is great. We all look like K-pop stars. <laughs> Touching it up. So a year ago, a year ago, um, a year ago, we, uh, we're all dressed up now. This is Beth's idea. I insisted. All right. y'all. I insisted that we dress up because I feel like real podcasters, when they have anniversary live episodes or whatever, dressed up, their hair is done. So I insisted that me and the guys. So as we got on the camera, I was cheesing because I'm so excited that they (laughs) Entertained my insistence on dressing. We look good. We do. Right. I mean, this is this is like a this is a big occasion. It's our one. It's a one year anniversary of this podcast. It's Juneteenth. Um. Um, So we're we're here doing this live. Thanks to everybody who's joining us here. Um, We've got a lot of cool stuff lined up, but um, we like to start the podcast. Uh, by talking about stuff that we wish we had mentioned or uh, stuff that we want to correct from previous episodes. Cool. I'll start us off. So um, we got a listener letter about my um, comments regarding the George Floyd video. And I actually realized that it was probably, um, it's important for me to say that I have not watched the George Floyd video. Um, my, My perspective is coming from the things that I've read about it and the things that I've heard about it. I also want to add that I did not watch the George Floyd video because I find watching videos of Black black folks uh, killed by sanctioned violence um, to be really re-traumatizing. I've, I don't have any personal experiences with police brutality where I have um, faced the brutalization, but I have um, seen it firsthand. And, you know, my people have been through generations, generations of state violence, and I, I, I'm just a firm believer in Black folks taking care of themselves and not traumatizing themselves. So with that, I think it's important to know that my perspective um, is from what I've heard, not necessarily from personally um, viewing that. Mm. Well, um, I learned this week that I know someone who has a birthday today. So actually, I have no correction. I'm just wishing Alea happy birthday. Can we all can we all wish her? We don't have to sing. Just say happy birthday. 
Happy birthday, Alea. Happy birthday, Alea. Who is Alea? Alea is my coworker's niece. Um, she's How a sweetheart. Oh boy, put me on the spot. I am not going to answer because I don't know for sure, but so with forty-seven, she's between seven and sixty. Let's say. Okay, that works. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. Great. Um, we like to hear from people who are listening to the podcast. Uh, we got an email from a Mary in San Diego that who wanted to specifically talk about what when we were talking about George Floyd calling out for his mom. So she writes um, in part, um, uh, I'm writing in to give you my feedback on the discussion around George Floyd calling out for his mom. I'm a, I'm a white middle-aged woman who, absent, who absolutely felt heartbreak upon hearing George Floyd calling out for his mom. The reason is, in my mind, that is when he knew he was going to die right there on the pavement. Uh, that is when he knew he was going to die right there on the pavement. I'm not even particularly close to my mom, but recall a couple of times in recent years where I felt so desperate that I've called out to my mom. She was nowhere within earshot. So for whatever that's worth. Uh, so I, I think um, that makes sense. And I think a lot of people probably related to that particular moment. Uh, I do think, Beth, in regards to what you were saying in terms of maybe some of that is rooted, rooted in problematic thinking and you you said this better when in the actual episode i i do want to say that like at this moment when people are coming into the movement from different places um i think that it's okay not saying that mary from san diego entered into the started caring about racial issues or justice issues for problematic reasons but if she did, or if anybody did, if they if they cared about George Floyd because for reasons rooted in like Beth, what you were saying in that episode about um, infantilize the infantilization of black people and the and the history behind that, you know, even if that's where people some people are starting, um, I think that's okay. You know, I think we all start from a different place. Like if your entry into justice is the help, like. We, we probably, you probably don't want to stay there. Uh, <laughs> that is not a probability. Let's be clear. You cannot. Right? Yeah. You don't <laughs> want to stay there, but if that's where you, you started, know. you know, we're, we're happy to have you just don't stay there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we figured it'd be fun to start the podcast by talking specifically about looking back at our past episodes and thinking about our, our, our uh, what we, our, our favorite episodes, I guess, you know, the funny thing is this podcast started because we just were talking to each other a lot and we were, we did that stupid millennial thing where we were like, we should be a podcast. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and we, we started talking by like meeting for lunch in my building, in the deli in my building, because I wanted to talk about how, um, Christian perspectives on hell is probably closely related to their perspectives on um, incarceration. Yeah. We had that one conversation over sandwiches indefinitely were millennials that were like, we should record. Oh, yeah. 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 And that was the genesis of the podcast. So really, have we haven't even revolved that much. Chris, people are really into your giant drink in the. Oh. <laughs> It's my my iced tea. Um, It's it's delicious. It's got mint from the backyard. It's got honey, right? In a mason jar? I'm living. 
I hate when people talk about their herbs. All my herbs died a couple of weeks ago. Last. Well, mm. not judging uh, you. I hate so your <laughs> Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about let's look at color correction and review here. Let's talk about uh, what our favorite episodes that we've done are. Um, Beth, you want to start us off? Sure. And if you all have favorite episodes that you want to talk about or that you even want us to maybe bring up right now, um, feel free to talk about your favorite episodes in the comments. So um, my favorite episode featured my good friend of the last about eight years. Josh and us shirtless men in sweatpants where we talked about uh, faith and and one that's my favorite episode because um, you know my dear friend was featured in it but I think that so many of us that have that have grown up um, in faith communities in evangelical communities as Christians um, yeah we have these really problematic and skewed views of sexuality and faith. So I really enjoyed exploring that with him. And Josh is just really funny. So it was a Josh good episode. It was a, lot, it was a lot of fun to just hang out with him. That was great. Yeah. 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 I liked about that episode. I think that's the episode. I, I, I don't know why I didn't figure this out sooner, but like Andrew is a keen listener. Very and I think that's the episode that like really drove it home for me as I was listening from home. Mm-hmm. Not mad right, about that. We're only allowed to have one white guy. <laughs> right. We don't go over one. <laughs> Max capacity. Right. In fact, Luke is helping us with um, with this Zoom streaming, but we won't allow his face to be shown because right. we only allow one white guy. Yeah. yeah. We actually flipped for that, and I, I luckily won the toss. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, quick comment about about Josh and shirtless man in sweatpants. My favorite moment of that episode was when we toward the end of their conversation when we were talking about. I mean, the whole thing was great, but when specifically he was talking about why it is that he continues to engage with scripture and spirituality. You know, he's not willing to give that up. To um, he's not willing to give it up. You know, because mm-hmm. it's. It's it belongs to him too. Like he 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 sees he can he can pull he like queer theology is a thing for him that gives him life. He doesn't just mm-hmm. give the Bible to people that insist on using it to kill him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm really inspired by that. I really like that. Um, yeah, because I can relate to that as like a black woman. Um, when oftentimes it feels like the scriptures have been manipulated to exclude me, I have to fight for my faith and I have to fight to be included. Um, in the narrative of Jesus' love. So, yeah, I love that, too. Yeah. What are uh, you at, Andrew? I'm laughing at the comments here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just tell me to dip out for a minute, Chad. Yeah, about Chad <laughs> saying, what if Chris dips out for him? Well, then you can have another white guy for a one day. That's right. There's actually, there, like, if I open this door, there's actually, like, a line of white guys. <laughs> I can... Just waiting to be heard. <laughs> they always have something That's to right. say. They are ready to talk to. Yeah. As always. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Chris? Um, for me, it's episode number one, People of Color. Um, nostalgia, certainly. Um, cranberry Moscato. I thought for sure we would we would follow through and have a signed cran- Cranberry Moscato to give away tonight. We don't, but maybe in the future. Mm. 
um, that was recorded around Andrew's kitchen or Andrew's dining room. That's the one and only episode where we've done that. Um, So that like, you know, like the behind the scenes stuff. And also like, that was a, that was an entry for me into the, into the word people of color, like in, in a deeper understanding of like the ins and outs of how, how you talk about color and blackness and where, where some of that, um, where some of that overlap is and is not. Um, it was a very educational episode for me personally. And I, and I hope like, I, I think it also like set us on this course um, where we have these kind of conversations. I'd favorite. Yeah. yeah. I liked getting, getting the opportunity to talk about why I feel adverse to, towards that word. Um, and then Andrew, your perspective on it about how it's an opportunity for multiple people at different intersections um, to really like be united with one another was really helpful. Cause I was just, I was just like, fuck calling me a person of color. I'm black, I'm blickly black. That's it. All I want. <laughs> Stop, try, stop trying to be cute with it. Yeah. But that was really helpful. Funny thing about that episode, people still come up to us and they're like, I never use person of color as a term. And we're like, that's not what we were, that, that wasn't our point. Right. We were saying that you need to be intentional and thoughtful before you use the word person of color. Right. If there are multiple <clears throat> people in a room, if Bethany's in a room and Andrew's in a room and Johnny's in a room, our favorite Egyptian, we are people of color. If right. just Bethany's in the room with, you know, whenever you're, I feel like whenever you're like um, learning material about being an urban teacher, the children's name that they always use is like Keisha and Tyrone. So that's what I'm going to use. So right. if Bethany's in the room with Keisha and Tyrone, then we're just black, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the difference. If there are multiple ethnicities in the room, persons of color. Is the yeah. Yeah. Or whatever the person wants to be called is the other important thing here. Yeah, that's true. I'm just drinking water. Sorry, guys. <laughs> drinking red drink for the culture. All right. So a Af- ancient African tradition um, is bisop, I believe. I believe the name of the tea or the drink is bisop. And it comes from um, like the hibiscus plant. It makes this really delicious red um tea i don't have a hibiscus plant I, <laughs> but i am drinking red drink for the culture so this is a little bit of cranberry juice and tequila i think that's great and this episode. That, like cultures right. that have entered into that into america america changes them and they continue to like the fact that red drink is connected to an original hibiscus drink I think is great. It reminds me of like how my parent, like I now make, I make fried rice with hot dogs, right? And it's not because hot dogs are like a traditional Chinese ingredient. It's because you can't get like, it's because my parents, when they were in Queens in the eighties, they couldn't get, you know, they couldn't get Chinese sausages, the kind that they had in Taiwan. So hot dogs mm-hmm. kind of look the same. So they just replaced them with hot dogs. Yeah. Now it's like the thing. So, um, yeah. I love, I love the way people of color. Um, yeah, their culture really way. I actually had no idea. I, I didn't know the tradition of red drink. I just thought it was like drink. Like in college, whenever we had an event, we called red drink chicken. Delicious. 
last year I learned about um, the, hibis the hibiscus plant tradition in Bissau. I was like, oh, I grew up with that, but I didn't have the history of it. Oh. Cool. For, for the record, Luke wants to let us know that he's drinking beer. Oh, nice. Nice. Nice, Luke. Uh, my favorite episode. Yo, Luke, is, is Be that thing is coming in kind of choppy for me. Is that just on my end? Well, Luke, over here, too. What do the people say? Am I coming in choppy for everybody? Probably because I'm in Western PA and these racist white people out here don't want me to be talking. That's mm. not, and I probably just have bad perception. They, they shaved a little but off of your internet. I'm coming with. Let me put myself on mute to see what. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Beth is coming in and out. Beth, if you want to work on that while we're while we're talking here, I think I can I can mostly hear you, but sometimes it tends to cut out. Uh, my favorite episode um, was the episode that we did that we called "Cancel Culture," um, just because um, it started out about I wanted to I kind of Bethany had written out this great outline and then I wasn't really connecting to it so I changed <laughs> idea right, right before the episode and then as the episode progresses Bethany gets more and more pissed off at me <laughs> and then like two-thirds of the way through the episode we're straight up fighting about celebrities and it's such it's great radio yes, it was such a riveting episode because Bethany and I were having a real disagreement about how we relate to celebrities and I learned a ton about celebrities and Beth and Grace through the recording of that episode. Um, and it's all on tape. So it's actually our least listened to episode, but I highly recommend people go back to it. Um, I do too. It was a really good episode. Yeah, that was a good fight. Too. We should have just highlighted the fight in our, in our promo for that. Now everybody's going to watch it or listen to it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said something about it in the show notes for that episode. You probably um, did. But it was great because it was like Beth was coming from a perspective like I don't care at all about celebrities, but Beth was coming from a place where like she actually feels like a connection to celebrities. So when celebrities hurt her, it feels personal to her. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like I don't care what these rich people are doing. Um, and, and I feel like... I feel like America interacts with everything and everyone from a very capitalistic, your product perspective. Like I've, I've heard a lot of talk lately about folks being like, um, well, this relationship doesn't serve me anymore. Like this friendship doesn't serve me anymore. And I just, I feel like that's such a like consumerist way of interacting with human. So my issue in that cancel, my main issue in that cancel culture episode was like the denial of real people's humanities. Like, yeah, they are a product, like they present themselves that way, but at the end of the day, that product is and behind the product is a real person that deserves grace, just like us real people. Yeah. And I had not thought about that perspective and the idea of celebrities as like an opportunity to practice extending empathy and humanity and compassion. Uh, I learned a lot and you'll hear me learn in real time when you listen to that episode. So as I, get <laughs> yeah. I think I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, what just happened? Like, what is happening? 
If if you want to send Bethany into a spiral, change the plan in the middle of the episode. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's talk about, well, let's, uh, we have had some challenges in recording this episode. Maybe while I'm talking about this, we can get Johnny here. I just texted um, All right. Awesome. So, I mean, early on in the, in the podcast, I painstakingly went through and bleeped out all the cuss words. And then like three or four episodes in, I'm like, this is, this is fucking exhausting. Let's just put it, let's just slap an explicit label on it and it'll just show up as explicit and it'll be fair warning for people. Um, But besides just like the logistics of how difficult is it to censor all the cusses? I think we did have a lot of, we did have a decent amount of conversation. Oh, Johnny's here about um, a decent uh, conversation about whether we should be cussing at all. Well, the main issue is, am I still coming in choppy? No, you're good now. Okay. Um, The main issue was that the, um, (laughs) the bleeping was more offensive than actually saying a curse word. Like the bleeping was grotesque. (laughs) (laughs) It was super distracting. Uh I mean, we could cuss less. That would be the other thing. Why? I don't know. Like, what are we? What are we saying about cursing and being <laughs> cursed? You know what I mean? I think we ended up having a conversation about that. Before. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it, the our the process of us figuring that out, I think, was interesting because we're all coming from a place where we grew up thinking that that is wrong. But a lot of this <laughs> podcast has been about like, what are the underlying assumptions behind what we think of as sinful? Mm-hmm. What are what? <laughs> right and wrong in that in in terms of that versus what is loving and not loving mm-hmm. you know um so hey, hey johnny love the shirt yeah we can't hear you you're uh, you're muted oh i'm muted yeah. what a boomer move um <laughs> yeah i did dress up this is my uh, favorite shirt my friend in columbus sent this to me um you know ben simmons joel Embiid. NBA Jam, 90s kid. So what's up? Uh, So Johnny, um, you are, you're basically like our resident pastor. You're like the, you're like the- I am your pastor. Well, I mean, you definitely, you are obviously our pastor. Pastor pastor in residence over at Color Correction. Yeah. I send them long emails after every show. Uh, but we, since we, I mean, we, I feel like we referenced Johnny in every single episode. Even if I appreciated the last episode. I got a lot of attention. I, I love that. Well, that's because we what really love that blog post. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that blog post, we, I mean, we really like that blog post. I, at least I did. Because I wrote it with you in mind. Okay, I appreciate it. I felt like it was time. I, we, I was, um, we were kind of working out our feelings about the rioting that was happening on the podcast, and Johnny wrote a blog post specifically about uh, how we should approach that, and specifically talking about how, um, I what I appreciated of what you wrote was when you were talking about how to think of it at from a utilitarian perspective, like as a as a strategic method of demonstrating, that's the wrong approach. What we should be thinking about is how people feel and the emotions behind it. And I needed to hear that. Um, 
But um, so Johnny, our color correction chaplain, my pastor, our, our we've given you the epithet, our uh, what um, our favorite, our favorite Egyptian. Egyptian. How our do you feel Egyptian. about that, Johnny? <laughs> well, I'm not my favorite Egyptian, but I'm happy to take the I'm happy to uh, take the honorific. Um, there are a lot of great Egyptians right now, though. Mo Salah, soccer player. He's a great Egyptian. Um, the the uh, I can't Rami. There's two Ramis. Um, so a lot of great Egyptians right now in the culture. So it's exciting for us. What do you um, what do you when we when you jumped in here we were talking about um, cussing on the podcast. Oh yeah, you said you were going to ask me if you should curse. Yeah. Do you think that we are being bad witnesses by having a Christian podcast where we curse all the time? Bad. No, I don't think so. I don't think that the matter with uh, cursing. What's that? I feel like that's such a like loaded question. Like, are we bad? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm as as someone who 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 uses profanity at times. I'm, I, I, I understand the impulse. Um, I don't think you're damaging uh, the Christian witness when you curse, because I think that there is a time and a place to do that, right? I think Paul curses in Galatians. Um, but and, and I, as a pastor, have used profanity in a Sunday meeting, usually it, when I'm like offering a talk. Now, usually it's scripted. And I always I like to get a look at the defense before I make the call, because I want to know who I might offend. And I want to know. I want to know what what it might cost me, and so I'm always doing that kind of calculation as far as using profanity. Um, but when you curse on your show, I can't listen to it in the car with my kids in the car. Well, that's right. You have yeah. Before. See, this is this is this is so that's like okay. I gotta we'll, we'll put on something else. That's the, so that's what happens. So it could be costing you audience at times, but. I would just see it as a cost benefit analysis more than a moral evaluation, you know, um, lead with empathy instead of moral evaluation, kind of like with the riots, right? That's what we were talking about. So I I would, yeah, just, I I think you guys are doing really well in terms of audience. So it sounds like your audience isn't offended by it. And so I would, I would keep that in mind. Yeah. The thing that I Johnny say that other than the cussing, we have like kid appeal. Uh, we, you mean, right? <laughs> like that? No, well, they're not paying attention to your show particularly, but I don't want them to pay attention to the curse words because right? mm-hmm. they'll pick that up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes me, sense. For me, cursing, I wouldn't say that it's important, but I don't, I, I feel like as a black woman, that's like the start of most of my statements, <laughs> but I feel like as a black woman, I'm oftentimes like tone policed or language police. And I don't appreciate that. I I feel like whatever way somebody shows up and whatever language they're using to show up is valid and valuable. And if that includes curse words, if that includes um, grammatical errors, like I graduated college from magna cum laude with a history degree. I can very well present myself well and not curse. I choose to curse because I'm tired of um, being policed by ideas of respectability. Fuck that. Oh, I understand that. I understand. I I understand the uh, 
the statement that it makes and the expression that it allows you to make totally, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I have places where I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I have to decide when, what, when it is a time to do that or not, you mm-hmm. know, and it could have been, I'm not, I'm not even suggesting it isn't on your podcast, but mm-hmm. we, we do this kind of moral and uh, political calculus, you know, right. like yeah. if you're on the Congress floor and you're about to, uh, introduce um, or testify um, for defunding police. Probably not the best time to curse up a storm, right? So there's a, there, for me, that's that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no. for sure. What's I mean, my goal? How do I get there? So right. I have a question. With with that in mind, when do we hear Ben White drop the f bomb on Resist and Restore? You have to listen to the outtakes for that. <laughs> <laughs> Because it has happened. Resist and Restore is our podcast. I appreciate you uh, plugging it. Absolutely. Also on so, okay. uh, iTunes. And we're, we should, we're supposed to do a collaboration of some kind, Ooh. right? I don't know yeah. what that would look like, though. That'd be like eight people on a podcast. Yes. Well, Luke's doing would. this. Luke does ours. I'll just combine it. Yeah. He's very <laughs> proficient. Figure it out. Um, <laughs> also, I want to shout out my mom, who said that she wasn't going to watch because I have said that I'd be cussing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah. Wait. Had to watch, I would not, speaking of times and places to curse, if she said that she was going to watch, I would not have cursed. Well, there, mm. so that's, there, there's your rationality. You're coming up with one. You can't curse in front of your grandma or your mom. Can, you know? can people all say hello to Greta in the chat? Oh, so my mom is wonderful. You guys should say. Oh, that's yeah. your mom. Huh? Say hi to her. Hey. My mom's hey. name is Greta. I'm one of Bethany's pastors, and I'm very happy to meet you. I don't think she's watching, but I'll screenshot the comments and send it yeah. to her. I never curse in front of people's parents, though. I mean, I try to keep it real <laughs> chill like that. Yeah. You know. Respectful. Sometimes mm. people's parents come to the Sunday meeting, and that changes everything. That's the issue with the live stream Sunday meeting. We don't even know who's in the audience. You can't, right. you can't, you can't change your game up. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to see the defense. I like to know what I'm up against. See the defense. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm trying to figure out where we were. I so I, I get I get what you're saying, Johnny. I mean, it's like Paul in first Corinthians is talking about how everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Like mm. we might have, the, we might, we have the freedom to do what we want, but we'd have to do this, but we're, we are trying to be aware of how we come across and see and do that. You know, as you said, there's a cost benefit analysis. And I think that makes totally. a lot of sense. Um, I think um, when we're doing this podcast, our initial, our idea was kind of like, we enjoy hanging out with each other. And we wanted to make, and we wanted it to feel like people were hanging out with us when they were listening to this, uh, you know. Yeah. So, we, I think, not being guarded in in our speech is part of what we try to is part of what. Yeah, we're there's some to authenticity do. to that. I appreciate yeah. that. It's our yeah. charm. Um, and I think that's a really good approach to being Jesus followers. Like, I don't know showing up authentically and working it out with other people that you love is I don't know, kind of the only way I think you can really be a Christian. I agree with you. I just have many versions of my authentic self, you know, I'm an Enneagram three. If you know what that is, the, uh, driven for a success, a little image conscious. And so mm-hmm. I have to, I have to 
authentically believe that adapting to my audience is a real part of me, you know? Mm. I mean, since we're on the subject, Johnny, the tension for persons of color in terms of modulating who we are is that it always feels like, um, I mean, we're up against respectability. We're up against totally. people questioning our humanity. Um, how do you, when you're talking about, how, how do you figure out how the, the best way to approach people is um, while also remaining authentic? Well, like when you're, yeah. Um, yeah, we have to code switch a lot. And I do as an immigrant all the time. I talk to people, I talk to Egyptians different than I talk to people of color in general. Then I talk to white people that I talk to a mixed group. I'm, and I, you know, and I, and I, and I talk to my spouse and I talk to my kids and I talk to my mom differently too. Right. I'm, I am really trying to meet you where you are because I want to hear you and I want you to hear me. So that's how I authentically express myself. But when I'm working on my true self, I like the true self versus false self um, dichotomy. Um, I really try to relate to people um, in a way that I might want to relate to God, in a way that a, a God sees me. And so I'm coming into my fullness too in that, in, in, in my authentic expression. Because I, I, don't, I don't know if I know myself well enough to be authentic. Um, hmm. It's a process for me of, of getting to know myself as I get closer to God and get closer to, uh, you know, who, who God has made me. Does that make sense? That's a real pastor, pastory answer, but it really is where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. One of my sorority sisters asked when um, people of color code switch in workplaces, is, is that still authentic? Does that mean that we're still showing up authentically? Total, that's a good question. I certainly don't show up authentically in workplaces where I'm code switching. That's not, that's like, um, that's a different Bethany. I don't mm. feel like it's authentic. That is interesting. You think you're, totally, you're a different person in those settings? Uh, yeah. You're filtering. I'm certainly filtered, right? Like I'm certainly a little bit of Juno if we're doing Instagram filters, right? You guys probably don't think I don't know what you many people, many people understood that reference. I did not. Did you Blood just reference a specific Instagram filter? <laughs> Juno's a very good <laughs> I like okay. it very well. Yeah, um, I mean, but just because you run through a filter, don't you think there's still that's still you behind the filter? Maybe I need to think more about that question before I answer it. Maybe that's even a future episode. Oh yeah, that'd be a good episode. I have a food Instagram. I don't use the filters. I edit the photos in a separate um, app and then I upload them to Instagram. And when I'm editing the photo, I'm trying to make it look like I think it should have based mm. on the lighting in my kitchen or wherever the photo was taken. Oh. You so want to plug your Instagram, Johnny? Authentic. Oh yeah, pa it's, it's, it's food pastor. <laughs> <laughs> we have a couple of minutes here, but I do I do want to it. Let's just talk about this because I find it interesting. I thought so we were recently, talking about racism in the church. But you, okay, you know what? Let's. I, what I, is? I'm looking at. The, I have like I'm on like a um 
like I feel like I'm on a talk show because I have the questions in the card. Right. And then we threw a curveball at you. Yeah, sorry. I got distracted by food pastor, but let you know what you let out. Let's stick to it. Um, so this the, the existence of this team, circle mobilizing because Black Lives Matter, uh, the thing that we're always up against is people thinking that um, this is some kind of side project or something that people people want to know what what is the value of this team to the church and we are always insisting well it's like what we're up against is like people asking like we lost your sound andrew yeah i lost you my dude that was a pivotal moment too come on internet does he know he's muted not back does he's he know? Don't, yeah, don't he hear knows. Him. He can hear us. Oh my God! So, Internet. Yeah, that's crazy, Johnny. There's been a real shift in um, the present moment that we're in. Right? We see everybody wants to be anti-racist. Um, Andrew, are you back? Nope. Um, so, what does it look like for? the church not to bandwagon do you think but like really work towards being that new creation that god speaks to so let me start by saying this american christianity um is intrinsically connected to whiteness and racism that's a fact that's just how it works and so the first thing the church can do definitely a republican from texas according to america it's disappointing Mm mm-hmm so what the church can lead, especially if you're white, the world in doing or the country in doing is, is first repentance um, and deciding I'm going to go, I'm going to start, I'm going to have a different posture and I'm going to move toward anti-racism, towards love, towards a new way of doing things. I have to rediscover how to follow Jesus because how Christianity has been um, formed in the United States is intrinsically connected to racism. It is not, so Christianity isn't inherently racist, but right. in the United States, it is intrinsically racist. Look up those two words if you don't know what I'm talking about. So that's the first thing we can do is repent. The second thing we can do is use our prophetic voice given to us by God to name the evils of racism. Now, I've, I've, uh, I sort the corporate statements and I sort the bandwagon statements about anti-racism by the ones that mention police brutality because that that's the issue that we're addressing right now as a country it's not just racist ideas in ourselves Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. movies in the culture today i think the focus that we're on is against police violence that is obviously racially biased Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. there's no question that it is right Mm -hmm. in 2019 11 they they killed 1100 people and 24 percent of them were black Mm-hmm. and black people are only 13% of the population. That difference there is That's- fundamentally racist. And by the way, before, you're, before you say, well, they also killed white, white people, let's just I'm realize- not, I'm not about to say that, that by the way. They ki- well, uh, you know, that, but that, uh, that's, that's the fact that they know. did isn't an argument against police reform. It's an argument for right. police reform. Right. Why are they killing Absolutely. so many people? Right. Right, right. So <clears throat> repent- yeah, repentance and then naming the sin. And then I got one more, but go ahead. No, you go ahead. I want to hear your last last. So point. repentance, naming the sin, 
but then also casting a new vision for a way forward, right? Mm -hmm. I think I think that the New Testament, particularly in the Old Testament, gives us a real opportunity to be to live in a new kind of way that isn't so bound to um, racism. And, and we can begin to divest of the worldly power that we've collected because of our race or the oppression that we have, right? Okay. We're trying, you know, in, in Isaiah 44, this is in the second- you know, that type of Christian where you name the exact scripture? Oh yeah. This is the s second half of Isaiah, which is written after the Jewish people are out of Babylon. And so they're casting a vision for a new future. And the prophet says, the valleys will be filled and the mountains lowered. And then John the Baptist in, in Luke 3, 5 says the same thing when he's welcoming in Jesus. The new society, the new kingdom, the new creation that we're going for is one where the valleys are filled and the mountains are lowered. Mm -hmm. that's the vision for an anti-racist world where my skin color is not held against me and I'm not oppressed because of it. And yours, if you're white, doesn't give you benefits and power, right? right. Mm -hmm. That's what we're undoing. And I think that that's exactly the vision of the New Testament in mm -hmm. its inclusion of Jews and Gentiles. That, um, yeah. You know, I you think know. a lot of Christians oftentimes use the, <clears throat> there are no, Andrew, you want to say something to see if we can hear you again? Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Okay, yep. good. Uh, the last point that I'll make before I let Andrew start hosting again. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of Christians have traditionally used their, the scripture. I'm not the type of Christian that can name the exact scripture, but the scripture where, where um, they say there are no Jews or Gentiles, I feel like a lot of Christians have used that to try to uphold colorblindness i really don't think that's the point of that scripture no it's not totally agree. I feel like the point of that scripture is take away your bullshit traditions and like embrace this this new creation yeah, embrace being like i feel like that's more directed at very traditionally jewish folks in those times that were very rigid in the way that they practice he's taught He's totally talking to Jewish people that were requiring the Gentiles to follow old Jewish law to get in. He's yeah. undoing that power structure. You know, I think you could still and, apply it though. Like, well, I feel like the there are no Jews or Gentile rigid admonishment yeah. at scripture is really directed. If you want to use it now, I feel like that's directed at white people that feel like their their understanding of the world and like their yeah. upholding white supremacist values we need to let that go right exactly not, yeah totally not agree with you. exactly i feel exactly. like it can be very easy to be a little um hard on jewish folks sometimes in christianity or in, in conversations just a little loose with it so that's not to be hard on like jewish folks now i'm thinking of that tradition right back 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 in the day yeah yeah if you're going to act like there's no such construct as race you have to you have to put your effort into ensuring that's actually true yeah i just read a text message and my sorority said my sorority sister said that my niece is saying look it's auntie bunny because she Aww. called me auntie bunny oh, that's so, so, sweet. so that's that what bug? i was smiling at sorry ah yeah yeah I, um, 
this last week I was working with the idea of colorblindness because I think we hear that a lot, you know, second Corinthians. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to keep quoting the Bible because that's what I do. Second Corinthians five, Paul is saying we no longer consider each other from a worldly point of view. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the vision forward, but I think that really means we have to divest of the power that we've collected and uh, racism before we can jump to that place in order to overcome racism. You have to see in color. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And y'all know the ancient white proverb, I don't care if you're purple, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that we're undoing. You know, no, you yeah. should care that I'm purple. First of all, if I'm actually purple, care about that. But, right. Call you know, 911. Ca- <laughs> care about my skin color because it means something, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Something that I did not assign it. I didn't give my I didn't give brown skin this this meaning. I'm just mm-hmm. living with it now. You know, right. I didn't come out as brown. Y'all made me brown, mm. you know, and, and I'm trying to, to, to live in a place where, you know, I don't have to fear for my life in an airport because, you know, I even trim my beard more these days just so I don't, just so I'm not as uh, um, terrifying, you know, these mm. are the things I think about. When I have long box braids, I make sure I definitely put my Bethany voice on in public places. I'm like, hi, how you doing? Nice weather we're having. Like I'm definitely like extra code switchy when I have really long braids. Totally. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, great. So Johnny, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, Glad to be here, y'all. Yeah. I'll catch you later, okay? Love you. Hey, Johnny. See ya. See ya. That was fun. Yeah, was fun. Johnny's the best. So... <laughs> but, <laughs> what day is it today it's juneteenth let's talk you a tell us what that means totally so i am reading this from google because i feel like they put the best language to it and then we're going to elaborate on it but juneteenth is a annual holiday that we celebrate um the liberation of the last um black slaves in texas um general army general gordon Granger, um, rode into Galveston, Texas on June 19th, 1865, and was like, hey, y'all, y'all free. Get up on out of here. And we have been celebrating that freedom ever since because people didn't have Instagram and Twitter, so they couldn't get any tweets letting them know that there was an emancipation <laughs> So it took, the emancipation, the emancipation proclamation came out when, 1862? Three. 1863. So it took two years yeah. for folks that were enslaved all the way in Texas to find out about it. So, yeah. Yeah, they wanted to get one more crop in. This does seem like a weird year for Juneteenth, uh, not because it's a new holiday, but because all of a sudden it seems like it's a official holiday. I mean, it is an official holiday in Philly. Um, and all of a sudden, like, all of yeah, a sudden, white it. people know about it. Let's right. Be- I mean, we're in a we're in this weird historical moment where all of a sudden everybody is talking about racial justice, and right now everybody's talking about Juneteenth. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of discussion on the Circle Mobilizing Slack, which I I wanted to bring up. Uh, well, let's talk about this first. Like, why is it important, first of all, for us to be celebrating or observing Juneteenth, not just this year but any year? I think it's really important to. I almost don't even have an answer because it feels so like 
obvious that we need to celebrate the freedom of black folks. Mm -hmm. um, even if it was kind of just um, on paper, because we know since slavery has ended, there have been many different forms of um, restricting the freedom and the liberation of black folks. But I just think it's important to celebrate any moment or monument of liberation for black people, um, particularly because there have been so many systems that limit our liberation and our freedom in so many different ways. So like, even though those systems still exist, I'm gonna drink my red drink and I'm a two-step or Philly bop on Juneteenth. I, I want to be in that moment. Juneteenth and HBCU homecomings, I love those black celebrations. Yeah. I mean, so you just said that like this year is, it, it feels a little different because there are more white people aware of Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Juneteenth, do you think there's a significance to it being like a national holiday in the, sa in the same way that everybody observes whatever, July 4th or Memorial Day? Do you, like, do you feel like that's significant or necessary or not necessary? I don't know. I don't think I have, I've made a decision yet because one of our teammates yesterday was asking like how white people should celebrate Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, just, just celebrate it. Like, I just got really irritated with it immediately. I'm like, people always want to do things well. Just celebrate it. And then last night I was watching Jimmy Kimmel and he was interviewing um, Pharrell and he asked, well, yeah, he asked if there are any traditions yet. This is a 150 year old celebration. What do you mean are there any traditions yet? He means can we dress up in sombreros yet and, and drink margaritas? I guess that is what he means. Are there any like, <laughs> super, I don't know, colonized traditions yet? That's, he, wanted, he probably wanted a blueprint for how he should celebrate it. Yeah. Um, but even like Donald Trump saying that he did a very good thing for Juneteenth and nobody had heard about Juneteenth before and he made it very famous. Like, what? Yeah. All right. To think, I just, I don't know. Sometimes white men, I'm just like, man, you guys are impeccable. Like, to think that you made a 150-year-old Black tradition very famous as of earlier this week when it's 150 years old, that's just like, it's just whiteness is almost it's just it, that's Columbusing at its at its at its at its <laughs> most prime. You know? Yeah, yeah he's, he discovered I, it. Um, I had a friend say earlier this week that there's an addictive um, element to whiteness that, like, the way people um, enact their whiteness or exhibit their whiteness in certain moments is almost addictive. Like when it's compromised, they they need like a hit of that whiteness. Um, and Donald Trump saying that almost feels like a delusional high of whiteness. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of Juneteenth becoming a more well-known or more popular holiday, I do want to address the, the issue of, I mean, for instance, like Chris, where do you, like, where do you see, what, what is your place in the celebration of Juneteenth? I, that's a good question. I mean, like the, I, I'm really new to Juneteenth. It's really as um, as being a member of this team that I was even introduced to it. So I really didn't know anything about Juneteenth before six years ago. So this mm. is a, a new phenomenon for me. Um, and 
um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how to like, do I drink the red drink? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure that's actually for me. Um, but regardless, like, I, I think what there are ways. Mayonnaise? Well, <laughs> I just straight up drink mayonnaise, Chris. <laughs> Those are my only two options. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Pale or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I know this is the problem with being live. I do I do crazy things like that. Um, yeah, I I I don't know. I think like there there's probably a, a number of ways. Like, but uh, I don't know. Like the, the the thing that comes to mind for me is like supporting uh-huh. like businesses. But I'm like, why would I just do that on Juneteenth? Well, I mean, that is true. I do think there's an importance for holidays in general, but like, like faith holidays, for instance, like, why not? Why don't we remember that Jesus died for us every single day as opposed to just Easter or whatever? Like, there, there's a reason that these holidays exist to help us in our, in our journeys to help us yeah. keep the faith. I mean, so, so maybe I'll just, you know, however long our team is around, I, I hope to like, celebrate Juneteenth the ways that we have by like, um, raising money for people who are actively engaged in liberating people. Yeah. I mean, Tess on our Slack was asking whether she should, whether, whether there was a better phrasing than celebrate Juneteenth. But I mean, I think celebrate Juneteenth is something that we should all do. I mean, with that phrasing, like there are solemn holidays, like, you know, Yom Kippur or whatever Memorial Day is supposed to be. And there are celebratory ones that we're supposed to be happy about. And yeah. Juneteenth is one of them. And Absolutely. I, think, I mean, Absolutely. yeah. Um, so I mean, I think I'm going to dress up and have a podcast anniversary every year too. That sounds pretty great. Well, I mean, we're celebrating it right now, yeah. right as we speak. I think I think the tension that I was feeling mm-hmm. is that is like a little irritation that like white people don't know how to interact with mm-hmm. things without taking it over. Yeah, For I sure. think that's what yeah. I'm feeling frustrated yeah. by. Like, bruh eat some drink some red drink and like eat a hot dog or something and call it a day like needing to be guided and not in how to like not co-opt it or like Mm. colonize it or columbus it whatever framing we're using i think that's why i was just like damn like just be a regular person (laughs) like i want i so badly want to go to like an indian wedding because i'm like oh this seems like a different type of bop i'm into it Mm -hmm. but i feel totally comfortable engaging in other cultures celebrations and i almost like inherently know that like i can't take it over so I I think I was just irritated with the idea that like white people can't even imagine how to engage with it (laughs) yeah for sure and I mean we have an episode about cultural appropriation where we talk about some of these issues but I think like when white people want to celebrate the lunar new year like part of me is like great you have an interest in like my culture um and like maybe they're you're asking for tips on how to do it right but there is a tension because like you want to share it without them getting without them you know columbusing it right without them just kind of completely co-opting it or appropriating it or turning into you know turning it into cinco de mayo right <laughs> cinco um, de mayo nice right. you know what i mean i yeah. mean you're the one who brought the sombreros up i did i was i was talking about cinco de mayo yeah so there's a there's a there's a tension there yeah i also 
think that it's important for us. We're, I also feel a tension with like centering whiteness so often. So I kind of want to redirect us to celebrating black liberation through creative arts yeah. um, and how important and how revolutionary proclaiming joy through the arts is in movement spaces. So we, oh, I forgot our BIPOC business break. I just started to take us into Ooh. it. All right, y'all. So this is our second time doing this segment where we talk about um, a Black business that we're supporting. And the Black business that we're supporting this week is our good friend, um, Brandon Molden, who is often featured at our Turn Up to Bail. I said often. We've only had three, and I think he's performed at two. That, um, that's awesome. But he's a, yeah. <laughs> he's a featured artist at our um, Turn Up to Bell Out Festival. He has an amazing singing voice, and we're so excited to have him on. But we also wanted to feature his business. Um, he makes wonderful soy candles. I meant to bring them with me to my hotel um, so I could hold it up as I was talking about it. Um, but they are, I actually should have wrote better notes. They're, they're called B, B, E, and then whatever smell it is. Um, so when we bring Brandon on, I'm going to actually have him specifically talk about it and give his Instagram handle so that all of you that want some smell goods in your house, they're really, really uh, fragrant. Like I'll put one in my living room and it like fills the living room. Um, but yeah, if you need some soy candles to help you calm down, set a mood, anything like that, um, our musical guest is the person to tap. And he's going to sing for us. He sent us a video earlier this week. So Luke, if you want to pull that up and play it for the folks that are watching, that'll be great now. Circles Seems like we're going round Circles Setting fire to the world Without a care about the burn Oh, lately I've been in cycles of And it's draining every of energy that's left inside it's a shame to know things might not go the way i think they should yet i'm still out there on change for my turn always oh, not going around in circles seems like we're going around in circles setting fire to the world without a care about who gets burned <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
you're not connected to audio say something real quick say something real quick oh yeah, he is connected to audio, connected to audio. Yep. so uh, now it looks like it's connected uh, you're on mute you mute yourself there we go yeah. hey hello everyone Happy hey Christmas. so that was amazing thank you Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you, I mean, we hear, we have heard you before, but every time, that yeah. voice, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It that is, voice. yeah. So, so lovely. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate it. So, will you give the exact um, information for your candles? Yes, sure. Um, so, it's Candles by B.E. Molden. My middle name is Evan, so it's B.E. Brandon Evan. Um, and I guess I started it kind of like as a hobby, just to, um, like it's something that could make money, but something that could give me some type of self-care for myself and provide it for others. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to make sure that everything was intentional. So they're intention-based candles. So there's be clear, um, be still, be grounded, and be aligned. Um, and they each have a different scent that kind of aligns with a different chakra, but that's a different episode. Oh, um, Ooh, I didn't know that they align with chakras. Yeah, so, and like the colors kind of line. So like be grounded is like the root chakra and all that kind of stuff. And that's a red one. So um, that's a different episode. Let me turn this on real quick. Um, but yeah. So, um, and I've been doing it for a little bit and it's working out well. I'm just trying to get everything settled um, so I can get a website and everything like that. So I'm glad that people like them. Really. They're wonderful. What's your, what's the Instagram for them? Is it your personal? Yeah, so for right now it's my personal. It's B-E-Eclectic um, O-Mo 47. So B-Eclectic O-Mo 47. Nice, nice. So we felt like it was really important to highlight um, the liberatory nature of the creative arts on Juneteenth and how liberation looks different um, but for us, at least for me personally, I really like expressing joy as like a, a proclamation of, of liberation. So we kind of just want to talk to you about your, 
your musical talent and how wonderful you are. Also, I feel like the tequila is starting to kick in. <laughs> so if I'm slow to get stuff, y'all just pray for me, okay? Um, but how long have you been singing? I don't think I've ever talked to you about your career. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess the typical answer, oh, ever since I came out of the womb, but um, I would say professionally on and off for about the last seven years. Um, but nice. I grew up singing in choir, took music lessons when my parents could afford it. Um, and I would say the church and those music lessons were the foundation of what I do now. And then I went to um, Temple for jazz vocal performance. Um, and oh, really? Yeah, for a couple years I did, yeah. What year did you, what years did you go? Um, so I was at Temple in 2010 to 20, maybe 14. Okay. Yeah. You friends that um, were in the like performing arts program at Temple as well. Um, yes. One is Michelle West. She's an amazing dancer. I think she's watching. Okay. Um, hey, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. And um, Michelle West. I can't think of the other person I was thinking of, but yeah, I know a few people that went to Temple for the performing arts. Nice. Um, Andrew, help me out. I'm trying to think of more questions about singing and liberation. Well, yeah, Brandon, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your music? Like, what, uh, what, a, uh, what are you trying to, like, what, what, uh, what's important for you when you're when you're writing music? What are you trying to convey? Um. I guess, like, overall, a connection of some sort, um, connection with myself, a connection mm. to a higher power, God, um, the collective love of everyone. That sounds very woo-woo, but um, just some type of connection um, and just trying to make sure that I'm telling stories effectively and interpreting stories effectively. Um, I know I'm a Black man, um, and I think most Black artists they should care about Black people. And if they care about Black people, they should be edifying the community. And they Mm -hmm. should be telling our community stories and putting our community in the forefront, Um, all of us as well. So whether you're a Black woman, Black trans, Black um, gay, Black queer, you know, we need to be able to put our stories in the forefront and to let people know who we are, that we are here, um, and that um, that we deserve to live, that Black lives matter, you know? And, you know, trying to make sure that people don't appropriate and co-op things. But, yeah. They love it. <laughs> when I found out that Snow Allegra, you know Snow Allegra? Yeah, and it was so funny when you played it. I was like, oh, that's my song. But she- when I found out she wasn't Black, I was I love her. It's funny because my sister, when she heard her the first time, she texted me. She was like, you got to listen to her. You sound like y'all sound alike, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And then I looked that up. jazzy sound, yeah, that jazzy mm-hmm. kind of sound, like the timbre too. Um, but yeah, she's not black. But she's she not black. She's <laughs> not black. She's from like Finland or something. Sweden, sweet, same thing. she's <laughs> <laughs> not black. Like, I can't even kind of play like certain parts of Italy. I might have been able to do something with that. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. It was definitely a shock. Something that I love about Black music and and what you were saying about storytelling is that I think Black music um, is this continuation of like the oral tradition of like our history, of sharing our history. Um, Because like historically, 
Black folks have been denied like education. So our stories weren't written down. Our stories are, I love Black people telling stories. That's one of my favorite things about coming to is watching the animated ways in which Black people convey stories. So I, I love what you're talking about in your music connecting with people and also telling people's stories that feels that feels so important to me. Yeah. And we have to be like aware. I mean, we could all sit here and write protest songs and we can all um, write things that are socially conscious. And that's, that's great. Um, but also we need to tap into our personal vulnerabilities too. Mm -hmm. I think with my music, I guess it's my jazz background. It's like, I write about love. I write about heartbreak sometimes. I write about my triumphs. We have to be able to talk about that, sing about that, play about that. Um, mm -hmm draw or paint about it, write about it. Um, and I think that's how our history, for the most part, has been passed along because in history, you don't learn, you don't know, you don't know about Juneteenth, you know? Like I, we learn about that from the art that we create and from the stories that we tell. So. Mm -hmm. And being in community with each other. I learned about Juneteenth when I went to my black college. Exactly, yeah. I certainly didn't learn about it at my white college. Yeah. I mean, Brandon, I love what you're saying about how the, the music is socially conscious, but it is also deeply personal. I mean, I think we oftentimes when people are writing songs about things that are significant to like that are significant, you know, like uh, a lot of Christian music is pretty shallow uh, <laughs> And not that it, a lot of Christian music is pretty shallow and plays it pretty safe in terms of what it's about, because mm -hmm. it, it's not actually about anybody's humanity or experiences. It's just about, you know, some some big idea that they're not really connected to. Uh, but you're talking about how, like, the, your mu your music is socially conscious, but it also draws from your personal experience and your lived experience. And that makes it socially conscious. I think that's that's a beautiful idea. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny you were mentioning like Christian music. I remember growing up, people were like, oh yeah, you should sing gospel, you shouldn't sing secular music. And I'm like, well, all of it's spiritual. Like it's, mm -hmm. if it's, if it comes from here, if it's, it, it's spiritual. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, you can't separate the two. And if you do, then you're just, you're cutting people out. You're shutting things off about yourself. Um, and that was something I had to learn for myself. Like, oh, maybe I should do this gospel thing, but it's like, that's not authentic for me. Mm. I love, you know, I, I, can we, we can't curse. Did we decide that? We did. I, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny said it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, okay. I fucks with Jesus. I do. <laughs> but, you know, it's not authentic for me to sing, come now is the time to work. Like, that's not authentic. And like, that's, that's me shutting off certain aspects of myself. And I think, if you are an artist, and Nina Simone said this, and she's one of my inspirations, you have to reflect the times. We have no choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I hope I will continue to do as I get older. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to reflect the times and connect with people. I don't, I'm not here to impress you. I might impress you. I'm not here to impress you. Definitely impress us. You definitely impress us. Uh, I understand I that it's for you, but you certainly impress us. <laughs> Thank you. <Bless> you. <laughs> you know, with, with that in mind, Brandon, you um you recorded and, and put a song on your SoundCloud recently. That's a that's the gospel song. Yes. Um, I surrender all. Um, what was it about that song that made you like kind of move in the gospel 
stream. My father, he randomly said, hey, Brandon, I want you to uh, sing this song. Um, I've been really wanting to hear your voice on it. And I was so reluctant to do it. I was like, I don't want people to think I'm a gospel singer. I don't want that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but, you know, there are artists that I listen to, like, I don't know if anybody knows about Liz Wright, but she she's a jazz singer and she does soul, but she's also very heavily rooted in gospel. And you hear it in the music. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think kind of what I was saying before, it's all a part of what I do. It's mm -hmm. all a part of my, yeah. um, my background and my current state, you know? And I, I can't uh, separate myself from that, from God. Yeah. Hopefully that answered your question. Um, yeah, so Brandon, thank you so much for coming. Uh, Bye. You're very welcome. Thank you for um, I always want to know um, where people can find music. By oh! Me. Um, certainly, certainly SoundCloud, and I just want to make sure that like there's not other places we can also find things you're recording. Not as of yet, but definitely if you go on SoundCloud, you can find my EP. I released it a couple years ago. It's called Bridges, um, yeah. and uh, it's about four tracks long. You can listen there. I am working on things right now, so hopefully you'll hear some stuff on uh, you know the iTunes or Apple Music or Tidal. Are those are those for download? The ones on SoundCloud. Oh. I can make them for them. I mean, you have an audience right now. Maybe you want to tell people, <laughs> I will, want to I, tell people your Venmo so they can pay you for your music. Yes, the Venmo, it's the same thing as my IG handle, BClickFomo. I think it's just BClickFomo yeah. without the 47. But if you look up my name, Brandon Morgan, you'll find me. But I will yeah. be downloadable for you all, and you all can enjoy it and love it. Pay for it. And pay for it. Yes. Hey, it's June T. Listen, hey, and mow your we're black not, friend. We're not talking about. Uh, <laughs> we're not talking about free labor today. Not of all days. <laughs> yes. Love that. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's all we have for you, Brandon. Thank Thanks you. for hanging with us. Good to see you again. Thank you for allowing me to. Yeah. Oh, love you all. We love you. Bye. Let's wrap it up, guys. Yeah. Also, um, it literally just hit me. We did not press record for this for what the audio yeah we can rip it from facebook yeah. okay cool. i think yeah yeah i love what brandon's saying about how like it's all spiritual because i feel like that's the ethos of this podcast mm -hmm. like because we have some episodes where we're super scripture and jesus heavy and sometimes we're just talking and bringing our experiences but god is with us there right. Yeah, God infuses those experiences. So there's nothing that we there's nothing outside of God uh, in our in our lived experience. And I think that's Absolutely. that's uh, that's totally what we're what we're going for. Um, so we like to conclude our podcast by talking about what we're into this week. Beth, you want to kick us off? Sure. So I drove out to Western PA today, and I started listening to Hood Feminism by um, Mickey Kendall. It is really fantastic. And she's basically talking about um, how concerns that affect impoverished communities, particularly Black impoverished communities, are feminist issues, but get ignored by um, mainstream feminism. And she talks about how like gun violence 
is a feminist issue and how food insecurity is a feminist issue. So if it is an issue that um, causes harm to women, especially women of color, then it should be included in that narrative. And it's really good. The whole time that I was listening to it in my car, I'm driving and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That <laughs> was, like, was really good. I can't wait to finish it. Nice. Um, I This week I am into um, my comrades at the Up Against the Law Legal Collective. Every time that I organize with them, I'm just, I feel completely privileged to be part of these amazing people. But not the least of which was because in part of the demonstrations last week, some of our legal observers were injured by the police. Wow. Recovering from that. And they've, despite that, like they continue to support demonstrations going on in the mm. city. They continue to connect people to legal help or to track people that are moving through jail. Like the, the, the dedication that the collective is demonstrates just like it, it, it floors me. And uh, I, I see God in, in, in the love that they, that they show toward people who are uh, f- agitating for, for liberation. So that's what I'm into this week. Awesome. Um, one of the things that I'm into is um, the new season of Queer Eye, which is here in Philly. Um, I, I The thing that I've enjoyed about this season, um, other than like seeing places I know and, and just feeling maybe a little sad that things aren't open right now, but... Um, Three of the cast members are um, come from immigrant families. They're they're, they're like first generation um, American, and so they like at several times in these episodes they like bring that experience in to talk to um, people who are trying to reconnect with their with their culture. It's beautiful. Hmm. Um, so it's like it's been really um, you know like these shows are really sweet and and you know I, I i tear up just about every episode um something about like their empathy but also like that connection they have to like that culture is really cool um the other thing i just want to make a, a plug for is that um part of the juneteenth celebration for you could be um if you have children um joining little miss story hour tomorrow at 1 to 3 p.m Mountain Standard Time. Um, Vanessa Little is going to read books celebrating Juneteenth, Father's Day, and Pride. Um, so if you've got if you've got little ones, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the Zoom link registration in the chat. All right, um, and I so we have T-shirts, right? How's this gonna work? Oh, I forgot. Okay, so we have Stay Black, Little Mermaid. <laughs> that will be in on Tuesday. And we're gonna give 10 free t-shirts out to the first uh, 10 listeners or watchers in this case, viewers, um, who email us at circlemobilizing at gmail.com to tell us how they're navigating race and faith. Now, if you're outside of Philly, I don't know how we are gonna work it out, but we are gonna pray and we are gonna work yeah, it out. But the first 10, viewers and listeners to email us at circlemobilizing at gmail.com. Um, when you send us an email, include your t-shirt size and uh, we'll try and get a t-shirt out to you. Stay black, Little Mermaid. That's the tea.
Right. Uh, I, 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 for, I thought for a second that you were signing us off. Like, oh. Yeah, I forgot that that was the sign off. I just wanted to emphasize that that was. <laughs> um, so special thanks to Luke Bartolomeo, our communications manager, who is doing a ton of work for us tonight. Thanks yes. again. Um, thanks to all of you for tuning in and listening to us and following us and and uh, being part of this this awesome thing. Um, we yeah um, yeah. So we're, I mean, I, we don't have time to address all these all these comments, but there are so many. There's a lot of awesome discussion going on over here on the right, and um, it's just really cool to see all that. So. Um, thanks to all of you. Thanks to Jared Selby, who does our theme song. And um, uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, Beth. Yeah, that's it. I already told you guys how to get in contact with us. So we've been saying this for a year now. Stay black, Little Mermaid. Bye. Bye, everybody.